You're listening to The Whole Church Podcast. Our efforts to educate and unite the church are made possible thanks to our sponsors on Captivate and on Patreon. You can get bonus content of our show on either of those platforms or on Apple Podcasts with a private subscription to the Amazal Ministries Podcast Network. Matthew 23, 23-24 in the New American Standard Bible say... Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. Here, Jesus is criticizing the religious leaders of his time for missing the big points of scripture. He claims they have succeeded in their tithes to the smallest details of spices, but neglected the bigger point of the law. Will Rose, what would it look like to prioritize justice, mercy, and faithfulness over our tithes? Yeah, fantastic question. I, I like how Jesus is in continuity with prophets like Amos and Micah, talking about the priorities of being about people and the marginalized and those who the world would consider last. Uh, it's easy to sign a big check and just give away charity, but what, are you paying attention or care about the people that you're giving your offerings for, for community and for the other? And so, um, yeah, I think, yeah, of course, our money and finances are super important in terms of stewardship and how we manage those and do community with each other. But I think Jesus is really shifting the focus and priorities to people uh, rather than, than money and things. And I love that he didn't say instead of, he said, you should still do these things. Um, so if you are growing mint or have a small herb garden, be sure you're giving a tenth of that to your pastor. <laughs> we need those herbs, you know. <laughs> and with that, it's time for another round table. And this time the round table is truly round. Last time there, there was four of us. It was more of a square table, like a small card table, perhaps. But we're yeah. back. This is the Whole Church Podcast, possibly one of your favorite church unity podcasts. We have we have a few guests, but, but first I have to, I'm here. I'm Joshua Nolan, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here simply to announce the other co-host, um, the the Lord of the Mics, the one with the golden tongue, the one and only Tiberius Juan Blackwell. How's it going to do? Uh, it's going. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back to your show. Thank you. It's been a while. Yeah. We are also here with your favorite pastor of Holy Trinity, <laughs> Chapel Hill <laughs> Lutheran Church. There's two here. I never so say I it. Be out of you have two options. You have two <laughs> options at this particular church. Who's your favorite pastor at this church? There's two. Our favorite lead pastor, Will Rose. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the pastor of the Amazon Ministry Podcast. Why do I say that? Because he is the only one whose sermons are uploaded regularly. Check That's out the true. homily. Speaking of the network, uh, we also have your favorite show by someone's last name, The Clydes. Both hosts are here. Uh, Elizabeth Pengelingen and Taylor Clyde. Uh, Taylor recently got promoted to the I'm trying. I'm going to slaughter the, the title of your new job. I'm sorry. He's the like head worship pastor at the main campus, but it's not called main campus because that seems like the other campuses aren't main. Um, there's a better word for it that I'm not educated enough to know. Um, Central. Elizabeth. No, that's Central. the exact title. Yeah. Everything. Every, every, everything. All of those yeah. words. 
Um, Elizabeth uh, has a Bible degree and is a chef and a fascinating person. Of course, we are also here. Um, someone outside of the network has to join in so that we're not just patting ourselves on the back. We have to have someone who is um, uh, may, maybe from a greater network. I don't know. If you check out the Happy Day Network, you can let us know if you think it's greater. I think it's also awesome. Um, he is the host of Buddy Walk with Jesus. Uh, does a lot of stuff with all of us. He's a, a kindred soul. We'll say that. Uh, the one and only Pastor Joe Day, who home church as well as a uh, a churchy Sunday morning that he was helping with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe, welcome back. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, Joe actually is the one who inspired today's episode when he mentioned tithing during our church polity stuff. So. I'm sure he will be uh, locked, loaded, and ready with uh, some fun commentary. As today, we're going to be discussing tithing and church membership. Should membership be a thing? Is tithing a requirement? We have all kinds of fun questions like that, that if you just hang in there, we'll get to after these quick messages. We've talked about it. Check it out on Azam Ministries Podcast Network. Uh, the link is below for to find all of us here except Joe. And then uh, Joe's on, you know, Happy Day Network. Go check them out, too. Uh, yeah, that also, link will be down below too. Yeah. If you're listening to our show on Captivate, go ahead and leave a one-time tip through the player on our website. I promise it's worth it. Uh, at the end of the year, I'm going to go through, pick a single person to send a very cheap Amazon plastic trophy to. Uh, it's all it's all good things there. <laughs> I might give I want a cheap plastic trophy. <laughs> no. Actually, we do have some cheap plastic trophies that we hand out occasionally for whole church guests and stuff. So hang in there. We haven't done that in a while. But we probably will soon now that I remember we have it, which also reminds me of uh, my favorite form of unity. We always like to kick stuff off with a spiritual practice of silliness because it's simply impossible to be in disunity, which isn't a real word when you're being as silly as I am about to be. Today's question, we always like to keep it easy for the roundtables, because if we didn't, this would simply be too long. It's just a, you just got to pick one of three. Would you rather be friends with a lion, a shark, or a goblin? Shark. TJ and I will go first. Uh, <laughs> TJ already answered. It's the same answer as me. Shark. Um, as fascinating as I am is the idea of being friends with a goblin to find out about this fictional universe and all that. Um, sharks are real and they can go further down in the ocean than I can. And I just, there's so much I want to know about ocean life. So if I just be friends with a shark, that'd be great. Yeah. Um... Joe's the one giving us the most concerned look. Let's throw it over to Joe first. <laughs> You're going to be friends with a goblin, a shark, or a lion. Lion, without a doubt, because I want absolutely nothing to do with the depths of the ocean. And <laughs> goblins are generally evil. So by default, lion it is. Hmm, that's fair. That is fair. All right, Will, where are we going? Yeah, I think lions are real, too. You said sharks are real. I think lions yeah. are real, too. Last yeah. time I checked, um, goblins I, are. Lion I'm wasn't really to say lion uh because i'm without a pet in my household right now i think lion would be kind of fun to have in the backyard Ooh, but i um it's a friend not i'm a, a surfer i'm a surfer in the ocean a lot and so i have to, i cannot not pick a shark uh, yeah i've not had too many shark encounters i've had a couple uh, i've never felt threatened or in danger around them but i i would love to have a shark as a friend and as a sidekick uh when i play in the ocean for sure I like it I like it all right elizabeth for a friend you have to pick shark, lion, or goblin. You can still have other friends, I guess. But Dude, goblin be all the way. Yeah, going to count our money. To get, we would literally sit on a pile of gold. <laughs> well, that's true. I've got Harry Potter goblins. I only yes. think in Lord of the Rings goblins. No, we would literally like we would have the best vault ever, just keeping people away from our money. I like how I forgot about Gringotts on an episode that's going to be highly financial. 
I'm doing great. Taylor, we saved the best for last. Let us know. Are you being friends with a lion, a shark, or a goblin? It was between lion or shark for me, and I'm assuming that both of them are not hungry. I mean, they're your friends. friends. So they're, if they're right. hungry, they're just going to give you food, too. Friends don't normally just eat each other. That's you not just make a pastime that they do. You made a Nemo reference this morning. I'm a, you imitated I, Bruce this morning. I immediately think yeah. of that uh, Madagascar 2 when um, the lion bites his friend on the butt and then goes, what's a simple bite of the buttocks among friends? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to pick shark because I don't want that exact situation to happen to me. <laughs> Gotta be shark. Just in case. Yeah, just in case. That's definitely fair. That so is definitely you, fair. You can, you can have right. a falling out with a friend and falling out with a friend who can't follow you onto land. Uh, that does like sound that. better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we like to remind everybody when we do these roundtables, we're going to be talking about church and the church. And those terms can be confusing terms because sometimes when we say church, we mean that church I go to Sunday morning. Sometimes when we say church, we mean the congregation of all believers. Some people mean all believers and angels, as well as everyone historical, including Adam and Eve. People, lots of people mean different things when we say church. So for here, if we say the church, we're probably talking about the collective of everyone who follows Jesus Christ and accepted salvation. Um, if we're doing specifically, we're going to say churches. That's probably talking about individual churches because there's a plural. Um, we'll try to do the big C, little C to help distinguish big C being the church, little C being that place I go to Sunday morning. So just to kind of help everybody, that's what we're talking about. If you're listening and you get confused at any time, that's the best I can do without like typing this out for you. And um, the automatic transcript doesn't know when to use capitals or not. So that that's not much help. And I don't feel like typing it all up. So that's the best I got. All right. Yeah. So one common thing surrounding issues of tithing is humiliation. Uh, a lot of churches before have called out people who haven't paid their tithes. They'll put up a record board, their top donors list, things like that. Have any of you ever been a part of a church that keeps these kind of records around tithing or something like that? And we don't mean like the official church ledger. That doesn't count. You have to have that. Hopefully not. My grandparents went to a church once that had not like this. I just to break the ice for everybody because no one wants to be like, oh, yeah, my church does that. Um, my church does not do that. But a, a church my grandparents went to did have like a board up there that like it didn't show how much people paid, but it would have check marks for the week that people have done their ties for all the members and it, whether or not they attended was also checked. <gasps> and everybody could kind of just see that, which. I, I think the thing was to help it remind people or something like that. I don't think the point was to humiliate people, but you definitely felt like if you saw the board and someone didn't check ties for several weeks, you're like, yeah, you know, kind of sticks out. Yeah. In the, in the process of, of, um, dipping my feet into church life right after I had gotten saved, um, I, I was going around to some different churches I walked into this church and it's got um, a big old bulletin board and winners of the week it was called, and <laughs> it had it had like a like a a list of everybody's tithes and all of that and like by amount that they tithed and all of that legit. Oh. I actually saw that and was like, mm, no, and walked right out. Like I, I just, I yeah. can be completely honest with that. I was not even remotely a fan, which probably paints a directionality towards at least an aspect of, of what I'm going to bring to the table. But yeah, I, I, I have mm -hmm. seen that. I can't say as though I've, I've gone to a church like, 
classifying it as like a church that I regularly attended because like that's a deal breaker for me. But yeah. 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 Um, deal breaker for my wife actually is offering plates. She doesn't like <laughs> yes. offering plates. She wants a, that box of people are giving discreetly. You put your tithe in an envelope so nobody stands out. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, offering plates are just something I'm I used to. I grew up around it. Yeah, that's it's not that's pretty deal. funny. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just chime in real fat. Like I've never been a part of that. Lutheran church are pretty passive when it comes to of course offerings important. We talk about giving, stewardship. Um for a long time in our tradition we passed the plate um around, but but there's a lot of confidence confidentiality around giving and that oftentimes even the pastor doesn't even know what people give. It's a particular team or a bookkeeper or somebody like that uh to kind of keep it confidential for them. Now there will be certain seasons that we challenge people to grow in their giving and spiritual practice. We'll talk about that in terms of membership and stuff. But but yeah, there's no like checkboard of um sheep and goats up on the on the wall uh, of who's who's worthy or not i love the idea of the pastor not knowing so it can't possibly seem like they're favoriting anyone like, yeah and that's that's the point is that i don't really want to know because because i i don't want to know what people give because i don't want to treat people differently um out in in the wild but there there have been times when i've um, I've shared with the people who count or keep record of that to say if they notice any big changes in particular people, um, sometimes that's a sign of what's going on in people's lives or they're changing churches or there's a deeper conversation needs to happen. Mm-hmm. A pastoral care concern. And I say, let me know. And there'll be, you know, uh, um, a pastor, a carefully pastorally crafted message or phone call to say, hey, this isn't to hold call you out or to shame you, but just to have a conversation. What's happening? Is there anything we can help you with kind of thing? So that's kind of where, where we do it. We, we passed the plates yeah. a lot in our church before COVID and people, we started to have the conversation around, um, should we pass the plates? Cause a lot of people give online and, and text to give and all those things. And they feel a little weird that they pass and every Sunday they're not putting anything in it and they feel, feel weird about it. So we were having that conversation before COVID yeah. and after COVID we said, well, let's not pass the plates anymore. We're going to, focus more on on online giving and uh, mailing check although we put uh, the offering plate at different sides of the church where people can drop it in on a particular sunday um, on high holy sundays and festivals like christmas and easter when we have a lot of visitors we'll sometimes pass the plates because they don't know how to give online or whatever but they'll throw in a check or, or some cash to the plate so that's what we've kind of been doing yeah yeah i like that i was gonna say as far as passing the plates go um I at when I, my first issue with it was like very stereotypical. Like if you approach somebody who has an issue with passing the plates, generally I, I fit the I fit the archetype. I hit this point though when reconciling like what do I actually have a problem with with all of it? It just while while I'm sure we'll get into the like the 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 acts of giving and and all of that kind of stuff, it just seems like it distracts. Right. You take you take, you know, five, ten minutes, however, however long do the actual physical passing passing of the place while the worship team plays a song at the up up at the top and and all of that kind of stuff. And like it's just like the whole production. And I, I know that's a dirty word for some people, but like the whole the whole service is grind to a halt for that for that 10, 15 minutes, however long. It depends on how you want to structure it. So in our church, we let them know this is a continuation 
of our worship. So we don't halt anything and we explain the blessings of tithing. We also don't make them stand up because that's very awkward. I've been to some churches where like during worship, people are singing and then all of a sudden it you get tapped on the service and you have to pass the plate. So that's very distracting. But how our church does it is worship is the MC comes and explains how we are going to continue worship with our giving. And then we say a prayer and we let them, oh, we invite them to watch the screens. And that's where the videos come with the church announcement. So we incorporate it into like a flawless um, transition time. And then a lot of the times with the end of the announcement, they say, please get your uh, writing utensils out, note takers or difference makers. Let's hear from our pastor. So you can make it not cringy. Yeah. Um, and you can have the heart of explaining this is a continuation of worship. This is for the people who call faith their home. We have so many ways to give text online, oh, um, text to give online, or you can drop in the offering plate. So no one will feel guilty if they just pass it because I never put anything in there. I give online and that's everyone else's business. No one's really paying attention. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone feeling awkward about it. Yeah. For anyone who may be confused, faith is the name of a Elizabeth and Taylor's church? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's one Very of those generic. words that might have multiple meanings in this context. <laughs> Faith. Church. I think I think offering should just be done at the end before Why? you leave. Because then it doesn't interrupt anything and you don't have to work around it. Yeah. I I like the boxes on the thing. Just kind of remind if you want to do it, it's over here. Not make it part of the service personally. But we, we have a power service just because I think there's a natural – there's a kind of response. Lutherans don't do altar calls and that kind of thing, but there isn't a sense of like gathering around confession forgiveness and some uh, Kyrie and prayers and hymnody and then God's word. And then there's um, sermon, but then there's also how do we respond to this? And so there's a response nature to what am I going to offer to the Lord after this time, talents, volunteerism, gifts, me. So, so we've tried to articulate – when it comes to that offering time, whether you pass to play or not, um, even if you don't put anything in, you give online, you, you mailed it in, you know, as you hold that offering plate, picture putting your heart into that plate, picture putting yourself into that plate, your gifts into that plate and, and reflect on how you respond to God's love and grace that you heard or experienced here in this worship experience. And, and then when you leave here and leave those doors, uh, you're not only giving to this community of faith, but out into the world. So that we're trying to use it more of kind of a, how, how do you reflect in this time of your own offerings to Stewardship of self, finances, gifts, all those things, hands, feet, um, uh, here in the church and beyond the world. So that's what we're trying to articulate during that time. How are you responding to God and then and then uh, living your discipleship out in the world? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, I do really like the old Simpsons bit where they're in church and the, there's an offering net on the end of a really long stick and they just kind of poke everyone with it instead of passing it around. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah that's, that. that's pretty good. Uh, so another issue that often gets attached to ideas of membership and tithing is what we might call prosperity gospel. Uh, you know, huge fans here on the show. That's not true. Uh, False. yeah. Uh, other ideas that may be implied, uh, that members who give more are more blessed by God. So how do we respond to these false teachings when, when we hear them? Any, any volunteers? Yeah. Joe? So um, I actually just 
preached on not specifically prosperity gospel, but one of the spiritual disciplines that has a way of getting wrapped up in this in this topic of, of conversation just this past Sunday. Um, when we talk about things like service or we th- talk about things like giving or we talk about things like tithing, um, they in the West, it has this way of getting wrapped up in some kind of transactional mindset. Um, and, and that, that has a way of bringing about guilt or shame or something along those lines. I'm going to give something to get something. I'm going to do this because I have to do this rather than out of a posture of love and, and wanting to bless church, bless others, bless the church. So that way they can go out and bless others. Those, those kinds of things. Um, when we, when when I, I think in a lot of respects churches are in a no win situation, um, and I'll get into this more more at, at another point in the conversation. I think um, churches would do themselves a great favor if they separated the operating budget away from the tithe, but that's a different that's a different conversation. Um, but but a lot of, for a lot of churches, especially the smaller that you go, there's a direct uh, a direct. Um, one for one there between the operating budget and the tithe, the amount of money coming in the door, all of those kinds of things. And so there can be this push to um, give and give and, and, and all of that and positioned in a way where um, you are doing right by God, by, um, by giving. And so when you have this kind of practice, this idea of tithing, um, tied to where it's supposed to be tied to. And, and, and I don't think we need to, I think one of the things that, that, that needs to be stayed away from is this idea of fighting a particular perspective. You know what I mean? Like, like fighting a school of thought, just, just simply ground where your where, where your message is in scripture. I may not be the type that I necessarily dig the idea of passing the plate, but you take two of the examples that were used that were outside of my con- my context, and like, yeah, legit, like everything that I'm hearing is like cool, awesome, like that that makes that makes complete and total sense the way that the way that it's packaged and presented and all of those kinds of things. So so I so I think when we're talking about trying to navigate away from things like prosperity. Just tie it as a respect uh, as a response of love, and and not uh, I'm gonna say reek of desperation. And I know that that might be something that's spicy to some people, but I think sometimes when when you're looking at that bottom line of how much money do we have in the coffers, there's this instinctual oh oh crap we need to we need to you know really ramp this up because giving is down, money is down, all of those things are down. I'm being from the business world, I get it. I'm I'm all for those conversations and and all of that. But I don't think we need to reek of desperation and thus turn to things like the prosperity gospel to increase tithing. Taylor. Um <laughs> to come at it from a very interesting angle. Um I I bring I think I bring a unique perspective um not to be arrogant or anything like that. But, um, at the current season of my life, I'm serving at a multi-site, what many would call mega church. And with that, a lot of times we get pinned for 
preaching a prosperity gospel or, you know, incorrectly, all that kind of stuff, whatever. Um, but that kind of becomes the stereotype. But from my perspective, being on the inside, one of the coolest things that we do, going back to what we mentioned earlier, um, in terms of keeping track of giving and things like that, we have what we call kingdom builders. And kingdom builders are those that basically we have identified, you're going to love this language, the way I describe it, basically people that we have identified uh, based on how much that they have given as having the gift of giving. And so what we do with those guys is we will, um, at every one of our, our multi-site locations, we have a live preaching pastor that preaches, you know, every Sunday, it's great. Um, and about once every quarter, I think it is, or once every six months, our lead pastor pulls a report of all of the givers that are what we identified as top givers who have given over X amount. And he'll take that spreadsheet. He will remove the amounts that is given. So it only has names, phone numbers, and emails, whatever. He'll send that list of top givers to the campus pastor and say, Hey, these guys are your top givers. They are, he doesn't tell them how much they give. He says they're in the top, whatever of your givers touch base with them and connect with them. And what some could consider pandering, um, I love that it gives us a chance to thank them for their generosity. I mean, these guys are business owners. They're sowing a lot into the kingdom. And so we get a chance to love on them without feeling awkward of my gosh, they gave this much. So I got to, I got to really pander to them, but it gives us a chance to honor them for what they do. And then once a year, we host a banquet, a large event that we do. We invite all of our top kingdom, not top kingdom builders, all of our kingdom builders to come in who across all locations have given, you know, over and above this certain amount. And we admonish them. We celebrate them. We thank them for their generosity. We go above and beyond to show them what they're giving goes towards all the people that they minister to. And it's a, it's a unique uh, way to honor those that we've identified as having that giving while at the same time being discreet to protect the campus pastors and their whole perspective. Will was going to say something. Yeah. I, um, I, we're in a, like a stewardship consulting uh, group right now to think through like financial giving and stewardship group that um, is consulting us and what we do. And there, there are some in that, in that group who do have the opinion that the pastor should know what people make. So it could be a pastoral concern with people and, and to know what's going on in your congregation. I, I don't trust myself with, with that in terms of the attention I give to folks and who I respond to or go to the hospital first for those kinds of things. But the, um, but there is this sense of, um, talking about gratitude and thanking people when they give. And uh, when we do capital campaigns or stewardship drives to say like, hey, we acknowledge what you do. And there are, you know, just every community has their top givers. And man, if they left, then what are the other people going to do and challenge? We'll talk more about how we challenge people to give what they can give. But we we try to, to thread that needle and, and really tote that line of like, look, it is – there's no one gift that's better than the others, but in terms of doing life and community together, it takes money, it takes finance, it takes a budget, it takes like you do with family or neighborhood groups or whatever. You got to you got to figure out how you're giving it. So, uh, but we come from that reform tradition, Martin Luther tradition. That yeah, the whole like, hey, if you give, then God will love or bless you more, uh, or you will get out of get to heaven faster than the other people. I, I tell my community is if I if you ever hear me during a stewardship campaign say you know if you give uh, more or if if you give to this certain thing then God will love you more you have permission to um, nail 95 
uh, statements on our front door, why I'm wrong. You know, it's like I we're in that tradition. So that whole like trans, as Joe said, transitional, transactional, if you do this, then God will do this. We, we steer away from that kind of mindset, but, but then talk about the spiritual discipline of, of growth and gifts and uh, the life of the spirit and how we go together. That that's what we lean into. So, but we also acknowledge that money is important and Jesus talked about it a lot. And so we can talk about it a lot as well. We don't need to be scared to talk about money if Jesus wasn't. So, yeah. Um, Joe, real, real quick before you, before you go, um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I wanted to throw in there, when we're talking about the prosperity gospel thing, um, as much as I'm, I'm usually on the same side as the anti-prosperity gospel stuff, but now I am anti-prosperity gospel, just for the record, I am against it. I think a lot of times what gets left out of the conversation is what doctrines were used to build that false doctrine, where the wrong turn took place, because there is a foundation for it in the Bible that I do see, not that if we do good things, God will bless us. But rather, there are many places in the Bible where people held back from God, didn't give what they should have to God. So God held back from them. So it's kind of like the opposite of prosperity gospel. But there is this thing of, are you giving what you should be giving? And that's not even financial. You know, sometimes it is your family. Sometimes it's your time. You know, I know a guy who didn't make enough money to pay his tithes. And he asked the church, can I just give 10% of my week to come serve the church? Like, of course, of course. And I, I think our mentality of I, I hate to be the always in the middle guy, but I, I do think there's a place of it's absolutely wrong to say if you give God's going to bless you because there's a plenty of times in the Bible of people who gave that God did not give them wonderful lives. Of course, I believe they have a wonderful life in the afterlife. But that's another thing. But there also are places in the Bible where people held back from God and he did hold back from them. That is biblically something that happens. Thank you. Radical centrist Josh Winnell. <laughs> So, yeah, I agree. But it says, test me. Very few times would the Lord say like, hey, try me, test me. And so, yes, I am never going to tell someone you must tithe 10% of your money, but it literally says, test me. And so just talking um, to like one of our campus pastors, he, uh, we're very big in a finance together. We teach Financial Peace University. Um, and he says he has never had someone come to him with money problems who faithfully tithed. And I think out of his 10 years of pastoring, that sounds pretty, you know, pretty unremarkable, you know, like, you know, it says, test me. And so we have to think about what prosperity it is, because I don't think the Lord is going to let anyone go hungry or the bills might not be exactly paid as you think, but it's literally a command to test him. And it does talk about 10% of your increase, which is 10% of your income. So I fully believe um, in the power of tithing, which is not very popular. And I'm never going to tell someone who can't, who has to choose to feed their kid and tithe. I'm never going to tell someone to go ahead and tithe to the church. But man, if you want to be blessed, like that, that woman who gave the two cents, who gave it all, like the two mites, and she gave like more than the richest person, like just test the Lord. For the like record. I've seen his... Well, there ahead. are lots of places of the Bible, people who gave that were not blessed. Uh, and I know lots of people who tithe and have money problems. Yes. Yeah. But are they still? So you have to think about what prosperity is. Like in America, we are richest, richer than most people in the whole entire world. So just because you are not being blessed in the ideal that you should be blessed in, you can still have money problem, but what's the root? Is it because you're not making enough? Is it because you have medical bills? Is it because you... X, Y, and Z, but at the end of the day, you're waking up 
if you're able to go to work, if you're able to have food on your table, if you can only put $5 in your gas tank, like what is your identifier as what is prosperous? Because I say, if you have breath in your lungs, that's another good day. Yeah, defining terms I think is important. You know, tithing, prosperity, what do you mean by those terms? Even if somebody says, do you believe in God? Or like, well, what do you mean by God? And I'll tell you, I'll tell you kind of, defining terms is pretty important. And and I think that's kind of what it is. The challenge is, well, how do you define those terms and then how other people define it and you disagree with their definition of what they mean by, by that and, thing. So, yeah. And being in the finance world and helping countless people with a budget, people don't have a money problem when it comes to tithing. They have a spending problem. Nine times out of 10, and I'm not saying this for everyone. I don't say it's a blanket statement, but you can find 10% to tithe. This is one of those things that... uh. That Elizabeth I know. And I, I say disagree on. It's, uh, which but that's is just because I don't think tithing is a biblical thing for Christians. But we'll get to that later. So, um, so, so on on that on that notion, I, I want to start off with with where with where what I was originally going to say, and then I'll comment on um, the turn that the conversation took. Um, for anybody who's really heard me uh, in front of the mic for any extended period of time, um, I'm going to throw people for a loop. Um, Dude, if you know, if you know, as a pastor, um, who is, who is giving and you are responsibly using that information. Okay. Um, at another point in my life, I would have, I would have balked at every single solitary thing that you said to like, that would have been, (laughs) been like nails on a chalkboard, the entirety of it. Um, Use it responsibly. It's Will and I have had this conversation a dozen times as far as far as the house church movement versus versus uh, uh, physical churches. Use the equipment that you have well if you have it. Like use the information that you have if you're gathering that that information. Use it well. You know if it's if it's used privately to um, as as a thank you to now. Coming from the smaller church background, um, it's there's different nuances. Like there's there's absolutely a different a difference in my world versus what would be considered a mega church world. Um, but I also think that we need to get out of the mindset of oh you have certain number of people oh you have a certain number of 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 campuses oh you have a certain number of whatever. Oh, then automatically I'm going to not give you the benefit of the doubt with what you're doing. Oh, you're gathering that information. Oh, that means that you must be putting other people down. And and I say that tongue in cheek, but the reality is, is that whether we look at the large scale churches or we look at the small scale churches, there's an instinct in some way, shape or form to to put down aspects or not to get not to look at it generously and actually hear what they're doing. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, I think I think that's you know I I think there's I think there's certainly value to be had in being aware of if it's either who your who your who your givers are. Um, I don't know as though I necessarily agree with. I think there's flaws in the idea of translating that to people having a gift of giving. I think there's flaws in that. But that but but that being said, I I can certainly appreciate acknowledging people who have helped the organization likewise like with like with what will was saying um you know 
there's value yeah. as a pastor knowing where a person's financial situation sits and all of that. Yeah. Um, I think as far as the whole prosperity thing goes and, and all of that, um, I do agree that we need to, um, we need to, uh, define terms. Don't be jump. Don't jump to like, I, you said this word and I hear this word and I'm not going to take a second to understand what it is that you're saying. I'm going to react based off of what I've got in my head. We need to leave that alone. Like be able to have discourse and be able to have conversation and be able to communicate with one, with, with one another and not jump down each other's throats and all of that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I will, willingly jump into the line of fire with you, Josh, and stand there proud with you. Um, the whole 10% thing is a fallacy. Mm-hmm. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. When we look at the realities of the rhythms of life that we are called into by Jesus, they are a wholesale life. They are, you give of yourself. You re- You referenced several times where, it was outlined, you weren't giving what you were supposed to be giving. That's not a monetary thing. It's not about that. That's when you drill down into it, it's not about that. It's about holding back from God, time, money, all of those kinds of things. The idea of asking a church, I don't have 10% to give, so can I give 10% of the time? The fact that you have to ask that question means that the there's there's a beat off as far as as far as the idea of conceptualizing a lived in relationship with God. If you give 10% of your paycheck or whatever, okay, go in peace. I have no problem. I'm not gonna sit here and rail against the system, but holding people to that specific amount loses the beat on the actual, like the the actual thing of of giving and giving out of a response of love mm-hmm. the yeah. other thing i'll say about this is and and this is this is now where i step almost fully into my lane when you're talking about small church when you're talking about house church when you're talking about the 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 smaller scale stuff there's 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 a there's a lot of examples and i don't deny i i being from the business world, I know I I've I had to sit down and have a come to Jesus moment as far as the business uh, as far as the business goes a couple of uh, a couple of years ago. I needed to reformat some things. I'm not I I'm I too am in that financial world and will openly state people tend to have a spending problem. Yeah, but there are plenty of people who do not fall into that 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 category. And the idea the the idea of give and God won't let you go hungry. That's a risky proposition because I've watched that. I've watched that happen. Like I've watched people give literally what they like to the point of it hurting. And no, there wasn't some, some miraculous story of, and then somebody slid, slid them uh, an envelope with 1795 or the exact amount that you hear a lot of the time when you hear about stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, so I think when I think when we talk about these things, we have to be aware that it's giving. Yes, tithing. Okay, 
whatever like if it depends on again defining defining terms mm-hmm. I, I don't hold to the 10 percent thing but giving okay generosity okay yes mm-hmm. absolutely great let it be dynamic let it let it be let it be a response of love and actually like giving out of that place and i'm not saying it's one for i'm not saying if you give 10 percent, you're not doing this that's not that's not what i'm saying but when we hold these strict lines to it of defining uh, of defining exactly this or exactly that, I, I really think we've 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 missed the point in lieu of the organizational practices of it. Yeah. For those wondering, uh, the the top reason for divorce in America is uh, financial disagreements. Um, and if you can't tell, there are plenty of financial disagreements here and we're still trying to find church unity. And sometimes it's a struggle and we're going to do it. I believe in us. Um, Elizabeth and I have had this disagreement before and we're still friends. So we should abolish we'll money to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe right. your yeah. pockets won't have holes in it if you tithe. I'm just saying maybe. <laughs> so we so also can- want to discuss church membership in this episode. Um I, I want to start with at y'all's churches specifically. Does membership allow any special allowances or anything like different, or is it just kind of a? I get to say I'm a member, and that's kind of cool. You, you get to tithe. Take this one, Tay. You want me to take it? So yeah. So um, membership is pretty much saying I choose to call faith. This is my home, and so we do say we expect you once you choose faith you're going to uphold to like certain standards. You know what I mean? Like the, we always, as I was saying, the higher up in leadership you go, the less rights you give away. And so that's just kind of saying we are members of faith. Now it doesn't really give like, I guess, perks, perks per se, but you get now a voice in our business meeting. So we do have a, um, a big book of who the members are. So whenever we do any kind of financial decisions or any kind of um, board decisions, we will take that to a vote and the members get to vote. Um, and that's kind of like the power of that. So before we took out a loan to do renovations for our sanctuary, we had a vote and the church had to collectively or like at least majority rule had to vote if we were taking out that loan or not or what to do with the money or if we wanted to change a doctrine. TJ, you were about to say something. Yeah, so becoming a member at my church lets you do a couple of things. Mostly, you get to tithe, and uh, you are allowed to rent out the place. <laughs> you're allowed to rent. So you can't tithe unless you're a member. Yeah, that's kind of cool. You're not a member yeah, of the church. Why don't you tithe to the church? I, I you do get to rent out spaces too. When I, I became about a member that. of a church, I got a prophecy church. The only thing I remember was basically just having to agree to a bunch of stuff. Like I, I agree that I believe the same things as you. Which I haven't yeah, revoked. Well, that's, yeah, that's the awkward now that I don't believe those same things. We have a membership class you have to go through. You have to go through a three-part class before you yeah. become a member too. It's not just saying, I want to be a member. Go ahead, Will. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's good. We um, That's a good lead in. We, we have membership as, as well. We also practice kind of open table communion and involvement in ministries. You don't have to be a member to take communion. You don't have to be a member to want to be baptized. You don't have to be a member to be a part of a ministry team or a Bible study. Pretty much any involvement within the life of the ministry of the church, you are welcome to be a part of that. Where Kind of what um, Elizabeth was, was saying in terms of once you're a member, you then have vote and voice voice and vote for the big decision-making uh, process in our church. So voting on a budget, voting on the call of a new pastor, renovation of a 
building. We have these um, annual meetings, collective meetings, membership meetings. We're deciding the business of the church. That's that's where that mm-hmm. comes in into play. And it'd be similar. I, I share with a with a friend and be like, yeah, everybody's welcome to my my house to cook out, and I'll invite anybody to come and hang out in the backyard and be friends. But when it comes down to like, I want you to be a part of my family or a long term relationship, blood or found family. To if we're going to talk about like how to take care of my mom and assisted living or how to pay for college for my girls, like that that's an <laughs> yeah. inside thing that we're going to do about. So we want you to be a part of the congregation, life of the congregation, learn about the history and life of the congregation, so that you can make informed decisions in community life. Life to, together, and so we do a a three class um, um, membership class too, where we share our own stories, then we share the Lutheran story, and then we share Holy Trinity story, and then at the end they join the church, and church council says, "Yep, we accept you as um, members of this church." And so the next time we gather and have decision making, or even run for church council office and the governing board, you're now a, a part of that. All right, Joe, same question. Uh, what's membership in your church? Does it do anything or is it just you get to say you're a member? Yeah, it doesn't do anything. Um, so basically <laughs> the way that it works is um, we ask the – way, the way it gets framed is it's family meetings. And if you um, call the Grove your home, then we would like for you to be a part of the family meeting. Um, there is a membership. Um, but there is no, um, added perk. It's more of a, the, the belief is, um, well in, in this area, there's, there's a buffet of churches. Like there's, there's a lot of, of different churches and there's a lot of church hurt. So a lot of folks that are coming through the door, um, Actually, fascinatingly enough, both in the Sunday morning context and in the house church context, generally are coming from some kind of church hurt background. Um, and so for a lot of folks, they will not. They will attend. They will love on the community. They will do all of those things. They will get involved. All of the, all of the things except for submitting to a membership. Yeah. And so it's framed as... If you're involved, like if if you are a part of the family, then then be be a part of this, engage all of that kind of stuff. And if you choose to make the statement, I want to be a member of this church, then that is um, available. Cool. It's also right. I should I should state, um, and I know I know that this ma- like if you guys have heard Will and I break it down um, that this this is where a lot of the the difference in our context comes. I don't know for you guys, Elizabeth, um, as, as far as like denominations go or anything else like that. But I should state for anybody who's keeping keeping track of everything, um, for for anybody who's like a, a church denomination nerd and they hear me and I know I understand that the way that I do church and the way that the context in which I'm coming from is like different from from a lot of folks that would probably um be a part of this and all of that we are a by national standards medium-sized independent non-denominational church we're not a part of any of the um, any uh, uh, groups or denominations or anything else like that. Um, the church was planted independently 
uh, 13 years ago. Yeah. And just for everyone's scorecard, Will is a ELCA pastor. TJ is a Church of God of Prophecy Pentecostal dude. Elizabeth is Assemblies of God Pentecostal. I am a Pentecostal ELCA hybrid. <laughs> that's, that's just, I'm sticking with it. Um, I forgot. Someone had their hand up, but I don't remember who. Was Elizabeth and then me. Yeah. Okay, real quick. I was saying something we've incorporated in membership, but we haven't fully done yet. We also do like a spiritual gifting test because we want people to also not only get to know our church, but we want them to get to know themselves and their gifting. Um, and that's where they get to like, you know, do one of those. I forget it's a personality test and it actually gives the spiritual gifts and they can even like have input. Like if they like we go with the verse, like in Romans, if you have, you know, generosity, give generous. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's you what know, I was curious. You meant like speaking in tongues or if you meant like, no, 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 like the actual gifts, like, you know, hospitality. Okay. So we help them find, you know, we believe, you know, you belong before you believe, but then like, you know, once you get to that next membership level, we would hope you would want to serve the body. Like we don't mm -hmm. force anyone to yeah. serve, but we want to give them avenues and equip them to serve. Yeah. yeah. That's, that that's the third class. When I talk about the history of, of Holy Trinity, I then say, well, how can you contribute to mm -hmm. our life together? So, so there's information sheets or address or email, da, 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 for the, for our record keeping and, and the church roll book or whatever, but also like, Hey, do you have the gift of, of cooking or hospitality? Would you like to cook for a campus ministry meal? Do you have the gift of your accountant? You want to be a part of our finance team, help us balance the books, you know, all those things. Are you, <laughs> are you funny? Do you want to entertain us at our <laughs> congregation? Uh, I but, do. but I think, Let um, me come entertain you. <laughs> yeah. And I think a big part of also is that, um, you know, part of our larger denomination, there is an element of, of keeping stats too. So the, the, our larger church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America in Chicago, send us an end of the year report and say, well, how many people did you baptize? How many people died? How many people transferred? So they can kind of keep these national numbers just to maybe it, there's a human element of flexing among other denominations, like how many people we have. But as we all know, big main line denominations are shrinking. So part of it's like, oh man, you know, how, how are we doing with our, our numbers and paying attention to the numbers and why, yeah. why those numbers are shrinking. But then the other aspect I've tried to talk with the congregation a number of times is, you know, after we think of membership of I pay, I'm, I'm a member of my local gym uh, and I pay my dues. So therefore I get my benefits and I hope that the pool's warm and that the machines are working properly. That church can sometimes seem that way too. I'm a member, I pay my dues, pastor better preach a sermon that's not too challenging, <laughs> that yeah. air conditioning made but it has to be on during the summer so we try to move past that and say is discipleship rather membership um kind of aspect member or discipleship your gifts a part of the congregation is how we do life and community together and so i've tried to shift the membership term into understanding what discipleship means or their engagement in the congregation yeah. how involved they are and family of faith so rather than i'm a member of a country club so therefore blah 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 the church is just a cheap country club i yeah. move away from that big time so that's kind of how I, I try uh, to frame it. yeah I, church is just a cheap country club i i have heard i've heard a lot <laughs> since working since working with you guys and getting involved in all of that i have heard a lot of stuff i've never heard church is just a cheap country club <laughs> yeah I, I really thought we were about to find out that Pang's church does like the hunter hunter nin aptitude test. They just like bring a glass of water and whatever the water Perfect. does determines yeah. which spiritual gift you have. I would love that <laughs> so that's, much. That's, yeah, that'd be fantastic. That would be fantastic, yeah. but sadly, I, no. I still get really uncomfortable when I hear like, this is how many baptisms we had. And like those kind of numbers always make me uncomfortable. I think because I know Why? a couple pastors 
who do this like every Sunday. They're like, this many people spoke in tongues that I found out. They just kind of saw people and said, yep, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they kind of make up their numbers, try and make themselves look good. And it's like yeah, you can fetch your competition. You can fetch your and I just I know well, that's not everybody. We I've seen it enough that it makes me uncomfortable. 68 oh, yeah. people baptized. And that's a celebration. 68 people as the week. Before, no. Though? No, it okay, was good. But I'm just saying, like, why would that be cringy? I mean, you may not know their heart. That's their problem. It's not your job to know their heart. I just celebrate don't with people. people. Make it a competition of our that's, church. To that's this. that's their our problem. That's that. a their problem. You can just celebrate with people, and if they have a heart mm. issue, let them deal with that with the Lord. That's mm. not you. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I see too many people smudge the numbers. It makes me not believe just, it when I see. Once it. again, they would be held accountable. You don't have to hold them accountable. That's not your job. Jo- nope. Josh, still Josh, don't have to believe how, stuff that I know is not usually true, though. How did we? How did we find this? How did we stumble upon a topic that you and I are so close to each <laughs> We're other? We're both on? the cynic. How did we do this? This is fascinating. That this is the topic that we're both yeah. like. Uh, so, so here's the this thing. Is can, our behind can the I, scenes show. <laughs> do you mind if I? Do you mind if I? Do you mind if I grab the reins real quick and just say a little caveat yes. here? Yeah, just because if if you look at this from like there are some people who would look at who would look at the like the directionality of this whole thing and be like oh listen to that the dish is starting to get rocked and all of this kind of stuff none of this that we have talked that we have talked about we okay so there's different ideologies right there's different philosophies different mental tracks that get each one of us to where we're at different hang-ups different things that we all struggle with all of those kinds of things nothing that we have covered is a reason to separate. Nothing that we have covered is a reason for conflict. Nothing that we have covered, and I'm not saying this for this group. I'm saying this because- You're saying this for the soundbite that I'm put on Instagram. Yeah, money money and membership and all of that kind of stuff has this way of being this albatross that hangs over the conversation when misappropriated. It's not inherently bad. It's when it, all of the baggage gets poured gets poured into the conversation that it goes bad. So don't don't yeah. let it be that. Don't let it. Okay. So if you disagree, okay, it's not the end of the world, yeah. guys. You'll disagree about something else too. That's okay. You know what I mean? And like this is coming from somebody who has historically been the jerk <laughs> of the situation. Like uh, I have been the guy who has been a raging jerk when it comes to high pressure, high controversy sort of situations. Am I going to sit here and say, oh, if you make this list of baptisms, you're in sin? No. Do I understand that humans are incredibly fallible and you hand a list like that to them and that's prime ground to have nonsense afoot and all of that kind of stuff? Absolutely. So if you have that list, don't cause nonsense. Done. That's the end of the conversation. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't. Yes, there's going to be more and more and more topics where like, oh, I think this way. Oh, I think this way. Oh, I think this way. It goes back to the thesis statement of it's unity, not uniformity. Okay, I'm done preaching. Y'all can have the mic back now. (laughs) That'll (laughs) preach, though. All right. So since Joe, myself and Elizabeth did most of the money talking, I'm going to throw the next question to TJ and Will. How do you guys respond to arguments that say that membership implies that other people are excluded? Disagree. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Will. Yeah, I, I understand that the word can be tricky about who's in, who's out, who's better, who's not, you know, that kind of thing. But again, I go back kind of the, the family and friendship thing. Like, you know, you, you want to grow in um, 
your relationship and as you get to know people better and know their gifts better and, and live together, then, then how do we do life together? And so membership is just a way to kind of level up and say, I'm really dedicated to this congregation, really dedicated to my discipleship, and I want to be a part of it and really go deep with you guys, not just keep visiting all the time or just attend on Sunday morning. That's it. And I go back home. I think part of the membership, what, what's happening um, Monday through Saturday in the church, not just Sunday morning during worship and, and membership is a way to a conversation piece to talk about how to go deeper in our life together with a, with a community as a family, brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's kind of what we're using for. Yes, it can be uh, abused. Yes. All those things, numbers can be cooked or whatever, and you can cook the books. But I, th I think part of that celebration piece is like, this is how many members we have. You know, I, I tried to share just my last church council retreat, they're like, it looks a little thinner on Sunday morning. You know, our congregation like, yeah, just people are doing church a little differently. Like, look, look at our numbers on YouTube and how people engage online. Look how what what's happening during the week when you're not here with our campus ministry. Look how many people are subscribed or members of our email <laughs> newsletter list that are clicking. You know, like we have more people engaged in our congregation than ever before COVID. And they're just they're doing it differently. Just with their eyes on, on Sunday morning. So I try to bring those things up. And so using words like subscribers or members or followers or, <laughs> uh, you know, smash that like button or what, how are you engaging with our congregation? Membership is just another word like subscriber or follower or influencer. I don't know. Um, use whatever word you want, but how do you go deeper into the life of the congregation? Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, with the podcast, we have subscribers, right? We have patrons, and yeah, patrons get a little extra something because they're giving I feel, us money. I feel yeah. offended, Joshua, that you're not going to call me a patron. You didn't call – I'm sorry. outside that super club. Yeah. Why I'm yeah. not in the inside club. You're no, but you're like – you're inviting people to be a part a part of, of something larger. So, Yeah. yeah. I, 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 you, to extend an earlier analogy, uh, you can go to most of the country clubs around here and you can play golf and you can eat without being a member. It's pretty much the same. You can go to I church. You can eat at the church. But they changed the Finley Golf Course around the corner, UNC Finley. <laughs> they changed, and now you have to have a membership to hit their driving range. And I would go I there all the time. I can't now. It's more than just five or six dollars. They're forcing me to do like a uh, a monthly fee, and I just I can't afford that right now. So they're keeping me in out. a year in about a month and a half when we go to Disney. TJ and I are going to play foot golf because Disney apparently has a whole foot golf like nine hole course, and I can't. Do you have to be a member. What it's about? You have to be a member no. of that country club. No, you do not. Yeah, uh, foot yeah. golf is like I mean, soccer with golf game. holes. Josh is going to be really bad Looks at it. Great, I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> anyway, moving on, TJ. Here's okay. the next question. So membership not in the Bible. Tithing is. So there are a lot of different opinions about tithing in the church. We've seen that you know, over the past. I don't know how long we've been doing this, 17 hours. Uh, <laughs> before going forward, uh, we should all share our thoughts on whether Christians are required to tithe under the new law or not. Any no, takers? I'm not doing that. <laughs> that was uh, bait for Joe. I was waiting for Joe to hop on. All right. No. Well, I, gotta... <laughs> I mean, our church doesn't have a requirement to, to tithe the membership. We, You know, every stewardship, financial giving, talking about money and the budget and how we do life together as a community and what we spend our money on as disciples, it comes up. And I challenge people to grow in their percentage, to look at their checkbook and to say, you know, what are you spending your money on? Where your priorities are, what you're spending your money on and are, are your priorities. And so I hope Holy Trinity is a priority for you um, in our life together. And so I, th that's the kind of language I use. I we Lutherans kind of stay away from the tithing part, the requirement part, but we do talk about offering, talk about growing your percentage of giving. How is your, 
giving financially a part of your spiritual discipline of our life together as a congregation. So, so that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of yeah. how, how we go about that. Joe changed his mind. Uh, yeah, no, I was, I was joking about not touching that one. Um, <laughs> as, as it relates to membership. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that those things are in any way, shape or form mm-hmm. connected. Um, as far as required, I think part, I, I'm, I'm going to double back to something that I said about, really, I could say this about this entire topic, this entire, both aspects of this topic. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is your heart posture? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Richard Foster said, service out of self-righteousness will destroy a community. Service for the right reasons will build the community up. Yeah. And then that's without going into anything like the the multitude of references where these acts of service are acts of love that are that including giving that are response to the 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 very real intangible life that we have with God and so at a base level yeah i i i can like helping the church that you attend your local church by giving and serving them by giving is not an inherently bad thing. It's when we hold people to the requirement of specifically 10%. And I, I, I'm, I'm very glad that, that you had said what you said, Will, because finally we've been everything Set for the last, I don't know, several times that you and I have been on the air together has been all sunshine and rainbows. It's been a giant glass of Prozac juice between you and I. But finally, you said a thing that I can disagree with. But this time, I can disagree with it well in comparison. Um, uh, asking people to grow their amount, even that I think is I, 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 it's just not helpful. It's just not helpful. Like... Because you're that it's it's not throwing a blanket statement to everybody means that you're going to hurt somebody when it comes to the conversation about money because you don't know where people are and because so much of this ties back to shame and guilt when it's one size fits all we have to be aware of that that's 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 a responsibility of the church is to be aware of that. And again, I go back to, I said it before, I, th- I, threw, I threw it out there. I think, and this is, this is obviously much of what I'm, what I'm saying, much of where I'm coming from, is coming from that, that place of the smaller church or the, the uh, independent church, those, those kinds of things. I, bring, I, I very openly bring my, my business experience into the conversation and say, I really think more churches need to figure out ways to separate the operating budget away from the tithe and then reevaluate what you're willing to do when asking people whether or not they should increase their their spending or, or increase their their giving. You know what I mean? And, so what and do I, you mean by separate operating budget from the tithe? So how would the church get any kind of income like what what is that oh, look like to the, you there's well it, it, there's tons of ways depending on the situation so i'm um, so if we're assuming if we're if we're assuming that 
um, well, there's two, uh, I won't even assume there's two different, uh, uh, tracks that you that you tend to have to start to start when you start down, when you go down, uh, this rabbit hole, either you own a building or you don't own a building. It's exponentially easier for the church that owns a building to be able to do this because you have real estate that then is monetizable. And then you build from, you, you can, you can start to like one church that I helped, that I helped out to try to try and do this we opened up a coffee shop like a, a to the public coffee shop within the, within their their building and that was a means for them to be able to build because they weren't a very sh- strong church in terms of members and that was translating into not having a huge giving and thus trying to build that financial platform and things like that you can rent out space. I know for a lot of churches, we've already covered this, for a lot of churches, generally that's tied to membership and all of those kinds of things. But there are ways like having working with organizations that can hold classes within a, um, a, a building. Most churches operate off of the licensing already that would allow for a lot of these businesses to be able to come in and, and operate with very little in the way of additional paperwork. So I, I'm just, I, those are, those are a small smattering of ways that, you can look to the outside. Then there's also ways that you can look to the inside of your church to be able to monetize. There's different ways that you can do um, online platforms that help that that help raise money and and things like that. So, so how come it's okay to do online platforms but not ask your members to tithe? On so so see here's the thing though here's the thing though I never said that it's oh. wrong to ask people to tithe. I said the 10% thing. That's why I was very, very specific. Uh, I was very, very specific about that. Like Mm -hmm. it's not about asking people to give to the church. I'm even, even to like have the boxes. Like I've, I've openly stated, I'm not, I don't dig the, the passing of the plate thing, but we have, we have the boxes around the, at different points throughout, throughout the sanctuary. Like that, the the act of giving isn't the problem. It's when we regiment it. And I'm trying to avoid the word because I think for a lot of people who sit in my seat, they'll throw this word legalism in there to try to add some flavor to their point. I, I want to stay away from that because that's, that, that, like so many of these other words, has a way of drumming up emotionalism. The, emotionalism doesn't isn't involved here. It's, it's a matter of orienting it from a position that, that is centered on the right stuff, whether it's 10%, 5%, 2%, 15%, 20%, whatever. That's, that's my, that's my point. Mm-hmm. And I guess the, the growing, so, the percentage is like, we are really careful to say like, if this isn't for you and your, your people and, and, or your family and those kind of things. But as I would challenge members to grow in their spiritual life and their prayer, grow in their, their scripture reading, grow in their involvement with the church, their grow, growth, the thing that, that finances and money is a big part of, of their lives. And if we're going to grow the church and what we do out in the world, then, then budget, um, then our budget's going to grow. And so we need the church to grow too, if we're going to do that. But now if we want to scale back and do less, then, then we'll have that conversation too. But the the growing in your percentage is it's just like any aspect of somebody's life in the wheel of wholeness of who they are, heart, mind, spirit, intellect, 
prayer life is kind of kind of our where we're going. Joshua, yeah. go for it. Um, when it comes to tithing, uh, this is where my like love of law and love of Leviticus is going to come out. And I'm going to be really nitpicky and everyone's going to be like, Josh, why didn't you just say you were for tithing? Well, to me, these nuanced, specific details matter um, just like they do in real law. If you just shrug things off, then later someone will take the same concept to do something terrible. So we have to do due diligence in how we get to our conclusions. That being said, I'll say biblically tithing is not required. Um, the reason I would say that is because when you get into Levitical law, what tithing is, is 10% for one thing, 10% for another thing, 10% every three years for another thing. Average is out to be 27%. So if you're going to see you're doing a biblical tithe, you should be giving 27%. That is what the Bible is talking about when it says tithes, not 10. That is just false. Anyway, when you get into that, uh, the poor was always excluded. Um, the Levites were excluded. The pastors were excluded. And it wasn't just your money. It was your herbs. It was your land. Um, and a lot of that's just not doable in our current culture. And then even when you go to to the New Testament, you see that the church isn't doing it. Why? Because they're giving everything. They're not giving 10%. They're literally told to give everything. So I, I think 10% is really lowballing what the Bible wants us to do. If we're just going biblical, super lowballing. You should be doing way more than 10 if you are capable. We're just sticking strictly to the Bible. But that being said, uh, there's also tradition, which I value highly. And tradition, even in my own family, people have always tithed. They believe strongly in it. They've been blessed for it. And it's it's been a strong foundation for a lot of people in my family's lives. Um, if I go through the church's tradition, people I admire greatly, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Augustine, they all believed in some form Elizabeth of tithe. Clyde. Don't forget me. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> so even though I don't think it's biblically required, I think tradition mandates that I probably should that there's wisdom in tithing. So even though I don't think it's biblically required, I think it is wise to tithe and I do tithe. So question, question. Would you say it's wise to give or it's wise to tithe? Yes. I'm being pedantic. I understand I'm being pedantic. I get I that. Will say yes. Um, and sometimes and this is where this if I had to do my hottest take. Uh, sometimes if you don't believe in what your church is doing with their money, if you don't have faith in it, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, you know what? I'm going to directly give to the things that I think matter in this world. I'm going to directly give my money to feed the hungry, to house the poor. And I don't think God's looking at that going, well, you didn't feed your money through the church first. That's not what it's about. But yeah, I think it's wise to give and to tithe and to be careful. And personally, if you don't trust your church to do what you want with the money you're giving it probably go to another church but that's a whole other different wisdom conversation yeah yeah i, mean, goes, I just wanted to speak mine first because i think elizabeth is going to be the most generous haha when it comes to this topic uh, it goes to like there's i'm going to put this in a lens that i understand a lot more which is dungeons and dragons there are two ways to interpret rules in dungeons and dragons <laughs> that's raw which is rules as intended and uh Raw, which is rules as written, and Rai, which is rules as intended. There are things you can do that aren't in the rules as written that go against the rules as intended. Those are now still against the, the rules because it's the intention that matters. Mm, yeah. Which goes back to the original verse that we were talking about at the beginning, top of the episode, in terms of how Jesus interprets yep. Man, mercy, justice. These verses given. does a great job. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Elizabeth, should we tithe? Is it required? I say. Yes. And it can fall under traditions. Like I said, I'm not going to tell anyone to tithe over feeding your children, but at least with our church, we believe in it so heavily. We 
guarantee your money back if you tithe. We do have a tithing um, sermon like that pops up every now and again. It's not every single time, but we we believe it says test the Lord. So we say tithe for the next six months. If you do not, if if the Lord does not meet your need, like if he does not provide, let us know and we'll give you your money back because we don't need your money as a church. We will steward whatever we have well. We just want you to be blessed and have the fullness that God has for you. And we believe part of that fullness comes through tithing. So you can use your church as like a savings account short term? I mean, yeah, if you want to. I mean, you won't get like an interest rate back. We'll just write you a check back. (laughs) We, We say that too, like in a sense of like, look, what you give and whether you grow in your percentage of giving or not, is not tied to your salvation. You you are loved by God. You are a baptized child of God. God loves you. Christ died for you. This is not determined by by how many years you spend in purgatory or not. Like this, it's not tied to those things. We're pretty clear. But but in terms of what God is calling you to be and do is to grow in how you follow Jesus and and your giving and your involvement here at the church is is a part of that whole whole collective process. And so that's that's how we frame it um, right. in terms of giving and and membership. <laughs> Yeah, it's right. not scriptural at all, but I do believe in the phrase, you cannot outgive God. It's, it's not true. scripture, but truly believe that. Yeah. Nice. So uh, real quick, I hate due diligence. It's like the logic version of uh, mathematical proof, and I hate proofs. <laughs> also, you know, one thing we like to do at the uh, round tables, that is the round table roundup. I'm going to read out four questions so that everyone knows what they are. I'm going to go back one at a time. You're each going to answer one and only one of the four questions. You must repeat the question you're answering, and uh, no one can ask any follow-ups till after the round is over. So some of the questions might not just get answered. If we all decide to answer the same question, you're going to hear five different answers for the same question. Uh, six. Yeah, five now. Taylor left. Teehee. So the questions are as follows. Pay attention. Membership in churches has been decreasing at high rates in recent years. Why do you think this is? B. How is tithing different than how is tithing different than offerings or giving to charities and do pastors tithe? C. Should tithing include more than just your net income? Or D. Under what circumstances should churches remove someone's membership? Are members required to tithe? So, Peng, which one of these questions would you like to answer? I'll go with B. Can you repeat the question? Uh, how is tithing different than offerings or giving to charities and do pastors tithe? Yes. So with us, we believe tithing is a tenth. And so offering is anything above and beyond your tithe. And that's what the kingdom builder was. Taylor was talking about the people who give above and beyond. Um, I kind of struggle a little bit because as Josh said, the Levites technically, um, well, not technically, they did not give, but all of our pastors on staff do tithe and we are held accountable um, by our senior pastor. All right. Uh, Will, round them up. Um, yeah, I was tempted to to do like removal from from membership just because Lutherans aren't known to excommunicate people since Luther was excommunicated. Uh, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with um, why are our membership decreasing? I think as a whole, just kind of um, sentiment and culture is that uh, institutional loyalty and people want to be a member of anything is on a decrease, not just churches. So yeah, uh, affiliation with the church, uh, there's some, some branding out there with folks who don't want to be a part of something they think is, uh, abusive, but also, uh, just wanting to be less tied to, uh, a certain denomination or, or institution, um, people, people want to do their own Spotify playlist. They don't want to go out and buy the full album. If that makes sense. All right. True. Um, Joe, 
Roundup. Um, I'm gonna go with the with the. Uh, oh no, no, I am. I am gonna go with the pastor's tithing thing. Um, tithing offering, giving. They're 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 not technically the same thing if we're going by textbook by textbook definition. In our church context, it's the same thing. Um, should it, it's different from giving to charity because. If you are if you are in a posture where you are giving to the church, that's different than giving to, I don't know, the Red Cross, the Susan G. Coleman Foundation. The, you know what I mean? Both can be service organizations in aspects. But if you are in a posture where this is my church and thus I am giving to my church, there is a an intimacy there that isn't present when you are giving to you know, X organization um, should pastors tithe when when you look at the way that's handled, the instinct is to say no, because it gets mishandled a lot, because that gets held held above pastors heads, all of that kind of stuff. I would ask the question beyond that, beyond should pastors tithe to the pastor that's like, absolutely not. I should not. What is your what is your generosity look like? How are you how are you serving others past like meeting people for coffee or what ha- what have you like that? And 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 investigate what that relationship looks like if you are bent against should should pastors tithe. Um, again, giving and tithing that that's a complicated paradigm to draw down. But I think that generosity is for everybody. So singling pastors out in a lot of regards is kind of a fruitless endeavor. But the, just because you are a pastor doesn't mean that you are exempt from a heart of generosity. Okay. Uh, I'll go next. So should tithing include more than just your net income? I think so. In certain scenarios, if you are part of an industry where you are actively producing something that is your income, you're offloading that, I think you should be setting aside 10% of that to either give to the church or to donate to the church. Pretty much only applies to farmers, um, fishermen perhaps, but that's if it's privately owned. And that's why I say farmers. Then you have to match your subsidies. So, you know, it's complicated, but I do think you should be able to give 10% of your harvest. So... I'm also going to go with your tithing, include more than your net income. Um, I agree with everything TJ said. Uh, and because, like I mentioned, I don't think tithing is 10%. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely more than money, right? I mean, you hear Jesus even affirmed. Yeah, definitely includes herbs. According to Jesus, it's herbs and. So if you're not giving your pastor some thyme, some oregano, you're, you're doing dirty. Also, <laughs> Will, expect a big order of oregano coming your way. That's true. Josh grows peppers and he don't give them to the church. I'm look, starting to, look, I'm gonna start shooting who have some gardens. Will Rose. There's, there's <laughs> people who have gardens or who yeah. uh, craft beer or make their own wine who have given me gifts from their garden and from their uh, harvest of hops. So that, yeah. that has happened. So, so this is a trick question for me. Uh, this, there's no response to the, this is a roundup round. This is whatever round table roundup. No responding yet. I get to answer. <laughs> So first off, it's it's a trick 
because I, I don't think that uh, pastors or the poor should tithe. Um, and by poor, I don't just mean, you know, after you spend all your money, you don't have anything. If you have a spending problem, that's different. Um, uh, you know, if you're actually in poverty, I think you should be one of the receptants of tithes along with the pastors. Um, I think if your pastor is living in a smaller, like if your pastor is not living ideally, uh, you know, if he's struggling and you're not, I take issue with that because why I invite him to live with you? You know, um, the people I think who do the best at this that I know are the Clydes. I know that they give rooms out and help people live and get on their feet. And, you know, they provide that space. Like part of the space you own is what you're supposed to tithe according to the Levitical law, right? So I, I love when I see stuff like that, though, when I see like the stuff that you're making, that you're also doing it for your pastor, you know, when the little old ladies who make dessert and make an extra one, like an extra banana pudding for the pastor to take home with them, uh, that's a tithe. And I, I think that's what we should be doing. All of us, you know, maybe you don't make banana pudding, but maybe you work with wood. Make, make your pastor a desk, you know, make the make the podium for the church. You know, I, I think all of these things fall under tithing and are what we should be doing as the church. I feel convicted. I have too many surfboards and I need to give them. <laughs> yeah, you should donate some of those to the your pastor. class. <laughs> so did anyone have anything to add that they would like to respond now that the roundup is complete, Joe? Yes. If you <laughs> are in the Pennsylvania area and you would like to donate some of your harvest of craft beer, um, the pastoral team will, <laughs> is, is fully ready to accept those donations. Praise God. I should have <laughs> Uh, jokes, uh, jokes aside. Um, yeah, I'm with, I'm, I'm with you. Um, Josh, I just, you went a different route because you, you do look at the whole, like, is tithing a thing a little differently than I do? Like the, like we kind of start at the, on, at the same on ramp, but end off in two different, <laughs> in two different areas, yeah. which I'm not shocked about. Um, but so, so that's why that's why I went with the with the 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 case of questioning like calling into consideration the generosity aspect of it when it comes to giving and going down that road if you are holding to the hardcore it's tithing it's ten percent it's this it's that sort of thing. Um, then yeah, no, I'm, I, if then, then essentially you're trying to adapt, adapt a Levitical law and it, it's, it's right there. Like they're not, they, they shouldn't be included, which I don't think any of it should be included to begin with. That is old Testament. But if you're going to go that route, then take the entirety of, of the, the premise into consideration and yeah. Mm -hmm. I wish I remembered who wrote it, but there's a um, there's an author who who writes a book that's like um, I have, I'll find it and I'll put it in the, the show links. But it's like, what if we're misreading the Torah or reading the Torah as wisdom literature or something like that? Um, and, and just kind of understanding that they had a different concept of law than we do as Americans, and right. that does go to that whole principle thing. And that's where you know I'm I'm don't do away with the law. I think Jesus fulfilled it. And what that means is uh, how I live that out. And looking at these concepts are part of what I believe that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad because I didn't understand the premise of what exactly you were trying to get at with the one question that you asked about the, um, should it include more than just your, um, more, more than just your, uh, your net income? Um, 
but I'm glad that for those of you that answered it, you did shine the light of giving and giving of yourself is outside of just a pay, just a paycheck, just a, just a, you know, cutting, cutting your monthly check. And that's the extent of what you're giving to people, or that's the extent of what you're giving to your church, or that's the extent of what generosity looks like and all of that, that there is more depth to giving than just a, a monetary exchange. Yeah. Yeah. And for those wondering, um, I am technically ordained and I do like banana pudding a lot. <laughs> Are you really Especially ordained? If you I don't think I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done two weddings, which is the whole reason I'm ordained. Did you get ordained online? Technically, no, but technically, mm. yeah, I guess, because all ordinations are online. No, but not that's all. different. I mean, they all have to be in no. the system, which is on the internet for you to be registered in the state <laughs> because that's where the state keeps their files. Mm-hmm. It's on the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's different. I know register of deeds. I know the register of deeds in my county. So. Phenomenal. <laughs> oh, oh, Josh. Anyway, let's go ahead and I just want to, before we jump off, because we talked all kinds of stuff and we've had all kinds of disagreements. Um, where what extent of unity is possible like obviously we can all get together here but if i'm saying hey we can't require a tithing and i don't think elizabeth saying you require a tithing but just for the heck of it let's say she is saying we have to require a tithing we can't be at the same church because how are two pastors going to come up one saying no tithing one saying you have to tithe that doesn't work where do we draw lines here or like membership if you're saying we need to have membership and someone else is saying we can't have membership it's unbiblical then like you know what i'm saying like where do we draw the lines of unity when it comes to these topics that can be very touchy but aren't first tier i think we all I mean, we, we do expect our members to tithe and we believe the tithe is 10 percent, but we're not over here checking you know because we have no idea what their gross net income is we're just yeah believing in them in good faith. Like I want to become a member. I understand these expectations. So we would like, so we don't revoke membership if um, they're not tithing, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's your personal choice. If you say you're going to be a member or you want to be a member, no one's forcing you to be a member. So no one's forcing you to tithe. Yeah. And I, I, it goes back to like, yeah, we have expectations in our church as well. Like I expect you not to be like to abuse your spouse or to not abuse your neighbor or be a pedophile. Like, yeah, there's, Mm -hmm. there's things where like, these are standards. I'm not going to go and check, you know, you're in your house and what's going on. But if I hear of those things or know things or notified of those things, then we're talking about like how, how, how you're connected a to this community of faith or not. So there's there's standards we head by. And then, you know, there there's accountability when it comes to that. Removal or saying drawing boundaries, you can't be a part of this community of faith because of these certain things. So those are extreme examples, but that's kind of what we're thinking about. So I think unity can be talking about we we all agree that, that giving is good and, and we define what giving is. That that finances and money is a big part of our lives and how we do life together in the world and to get in our community. So how do we pull that together and and use that for for the kingdom of god and the gospel and then um yeah what does it mean to be a part of this family of god so membership or not well you use those terms i think defining terms but also coming together to say we hold these things to be important how does that play out 
in our community's life. So maybe like, hey, I, I think it plays out in a different way here. So you do you over there, but we all understand that we're still Christian. Um, you still follow Jesus. That's just how you do it. It's the same way with, with families and friendships that come and go. So that's that's kind of where I see unity. That we I don't think any of us disagree that we want people to grow in their depth of following Jesus and in their community of faith and churches and then how they give of their time, talent, and resources. But how we define that and how we are pastoral with that or or whether we shame people or not or see ourselves as better than them, I think that's kind of what we get, Jesus was getting at and what Amos and Micah is getting at is, um, you know, the prophets of old talking about offerings yeah. and how to treat your neighbor and love love one another. So, yeah, that's, that's where I would respond. Joe, I'm going to let you answer this. When it comes to practically, how do we engage in unity in a practical way in the midst of these kind of topics? What does it look like to engage one another well or disagree well? Realize that this is not theology prime. Be willing to have a conversation with folks. If we're talking about within the small C church, money and the amount that you give being any kind of reason for division, that means there's deeper problems to begin with than than just a money disagreement if that's a source of disconnection. If you're talking large C, then be willing to understand that we can come together and also conceive of things. I'm going to use Will. He's a Lutheran pastor. We disagree about things. I'm going to use uh, TJ and Elizabeth. You guys are both uh, um, assemblies of God. We're going to disagree about some things. Josh, I, I, Lord, Lord knows we all disagree. We, we disagree about plenty of things. Uh, but, we go by Josh with the wrong opinions. It's fine. Yeah, but but being uh, willing to navigate okay. conversations in life with one another, even though you disagree about things, is the key to unity over uniformity. Yeah. So Elizabeth, if we all started having these conversations better and disagreeing better and being a I don't know less mean, less rude, less of a jerk about these things in the church. Uh, what do you think would change in the world as we had these conversations more healthily? Healthily? Yeah. Um, I just think people suck and we just need to be kinder to each other inside <laughs> and outside the church. That'll All right. preach. Well, That's it. Yeah. yeah. We'll Done. be kinder. Episode like, over. All right. <laughs> so before we wrap up, we ask everyone to share a moment where they saw God reason, whether that be a blessing, challenge, mode of worship, whatever it may be. I'm going to start with Joshua. Uh, yeah, I am. Lots of stuff. Uh, right now, I actually discovered some seeds that I harvested for my butterfly garden that needed to be planted basically right when I discovered them. I was like, oh, hmm, that's right. I forgot that I stored these earlier in the year so that I could plant them in January. And uh, here it is January when I found them and remembered that I had them. So uh, yeah. God bless me with the ability to grow my garden. Sweet. Uh, I've got a, sort of a prayer request for my God moment or He's just all around me with a challenge. I'm starting a business right now, and uh, it's not terrible, but the cooperative aspect proves a bit difficult. <laughs> the unity part. Yes. <laughs> In indeed. Uh, Will, do you have a God moment for us? Yeah, we hire a new director of worship and music here, um, organist, pianist at our, at our church, and, and she's neat, and she's collaborative and uh, creative, and I'm uh, excited to work with her. So I'm, I'm hoping that all works out as we head into um, some high holy days and new seasons of the church here. Awesome. Uh, uh, Pangalangan, uh, do you have a God moment for us? 
<laughs> yeah. So we just got done with our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so just being able to have that fire, like it felt like revival in our church and just seeing so many people excited to be there um, this Sunday night and watching 68 people get baptized was just mm. like super, super special. Like people, first generation um, believers who are like in their old age, you know, it was just very special. Cool. That's awesome. I don't know if we've ever had the God moment inspire the next round table, but next round table fasting. I like it. <laughs> I love fasting. Right yeah. Now. yeah, it's a good uh, topic. Joe Day, do you have a God moment uh, for us? One of our attendees made it through successfully uh, open heart surgery. Wow, that's Praise huge. God. Yeah, open heart surgery is crazy, dude. Have y'all ever seen a surgeon's yeah. table? I'm going to use up some of Josh's last available time. Uh, you know, they'll literally just like pick up your organs, put them out, and then throw them back in there when they're done. Your organs will put themselves yeah. back in the right spot. They just got to put them in there. Blows my mind. Yeah. 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 Some people go to work. Some people go to work and kind of wake up, have a cup of coffee, and they go and work on people's hearts. I go and answer emails and craft a sermon. They go and spiritual on hearts. hearts. You work on people's <laughs> spiritual hearts. Bro. True. I do open heart surgery too. A sermon this yeah. week. Here we go. Josh and I work on people's stomachs mostly and their toilets. <laughs> so, true. Uh, well, probably their hearts, but in a negative way. Yeah. Please consider sharing the episode with a friend, enemy, uh, share it with your cousins. Uh, if you if you all have 10 cousins, share with all of them. They all listen. That's huge for us. Uh, come and check us out <laughs> on our Discord server. The link is in the notes, and we'd love to talk to you guys. Uh, you can also talk to, I think, everyone on this episode, uh, if you can get them to answer. Uh, but <laughs> if you're listening on the AMP Network YouTube channel, Congratulations, you've experienced this in the best way possible. Uh, please like and subscribe. It helps us so much and it costs zero dollars. Yeah. Also, check out the other shows on the AMP Network featuring uh, Will, Taylor, Pang, DJ, myself. We're all featured yeah. several times. Joe is definitely on a lot of those shows, just not as a host. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we hope you enjoyed the show. show will also be in the show link. Sorry. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Next week, we'll be taking a break before starting our new series, Controversial Unity. Then we'll be doing an introduction to the series after that. Uh, Pete Enns will join us for the first episode in the series to discuss how we can have unity whilst disagreeing about biblical inerrancy. And finally, at the end of season one, Francis Chan will be joining us. What? You guys oh, are yeah. still in season one? You guys oh, are still yeah. in season one? <laughs> season one might last forever. Okay, yeah, that's, that's just a secret. <laughs> that's our secret. It's always season one. Always season one. Thank you for listening to the Whole Church Podcast. Again, you could always sponsor our show at patreon.com forward slash the Whole Church Podcast or on captivate.fm or on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a one time tip through Captivate. Thank you for listening.